Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. This morning's gospel is a very familiar gospel. We know this gospel very well because we heard it many times, especially if we do our prayer at night in the midnight watch. We hear this gospel, we read this gospel. This gospel is often referred to as the gospel of blessing. We need it, but very often referred to as the gospel of blessing. But if we read Luke chapter 9, a little further ahead, you're going to find that the word beloved is used for the Lord Jesus Christ in the transfiguration. This is my beloved son. We also in the epiphany here, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And this is what this gospel, I would say, is what it's about. This gospel is not just the gospel of blessing, but it's the gospel of being the beloved, of being the beloved one. So this is important because we sometimes keep our minds narrow. We think just like what's the main key word in the passage. We hold the blessing and we just take that and we focus on it. But let's think and contemplate what it means to be beloved or to be a beloved one. The word beloved actually belongs not just to the Lord Jesus Christ. We heard God the Father say, this is my beloved son to the Lord Jesus Christ. But to be beloved is actually the title of every Christian. One of the priests that I grew up with, every time he would give the sermon, he would say in Arabic, I have that. My beloved. In Arabic means my beloved. Constantly referring to the Christians as the beloved people. So to be beloved is not just to be loved to the Lord Jesus Christ, but it belongs to every Christian. We live in a world where we are sometimes feeling and aware of our hatred. And it's the opposite of love. And it's the opposite feeling of that. We live in a broken world, a world that's very harsh, a world that's very cruel to the human person. There is this beautiful book written by a Catholic priest and professor, his name is Henry J. M. Adam. It's called The Life of the Beloved. The Life of the Beloved. In this book, he says something really interesting about being beloved. He said, it's certainly not easy to hear that voice which calls you beloved. It's not easy to hear that you're loved. It, it hits our heart in a way that makes us feel special. In a world that is filled with voices that shout, you are no good, you are ugly, you are worthless. In a world that says, you're not good enough. The negative voices that are so loud and so persistent that it is easy to believe in the lies. It's easy to believe that I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not beloved. I'm not that. I feel rejection. So then I self-reject. I hate myself. 
And I would dare to say that this temptation of self-rejection is the very thing that God is help, wanting us to avoid because if we don't feel loved, and we don't feel that we are His chosen ones, then we fall in a string and a series of sins. Christ uses four verbs in this gospel. In verse 16, He does four things. He took, He blessed, He broke, He gave. He did four things. He took, He blessed, He broke, He gave. Let's look at each one. What does it mean to be taken or to be chosen? To become the, the beloved one, to become a Christian, to live a Christian life is to understand and to think and to say and to do that I am chosen, I am selected, I am picked. In the Song of Solomon, verse 16, chapter 2, it says, My beloved is mine and I am his. The Lord Jesus Christ is saying to us, My beloved is mine and I am his. We belong to each other. We are chosen. We are picked. We are special. The process of beginning this way of life, of being chosen, needs to be very carefully thought about. Sometimes we say, why me? If I'm selected, or if I'm chosen, the question sometimes in my mind is, why me? Am I really that worthy? Am I that good? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes, you are good. That's why you are chosen. That's why you are picked. That's why you are special. Imagine the basket of the bread in the beginning of the liturgy, of what I'm choosing one, of what I'm has in his mind, criteria. Criteria. He has to think about which one looks the best. Perfect circle, the stand is clear, the piercing or the holes in the one are perfect. He has five or seven to choose from. The one he chose is the best one. That Allah is not going to say, why did you choose me? He chose it. That's it. When you're chosen, when you're selected, when you're a Christian, that's it. You are the best. And that's not just some words. It's not just you're the best. It's true because He selected you. He chose you. The spiritual life begins with understanding that you are chosen. You are special. You are unique. You are precious in the eyes of the Lord. So we desire this so much in our life. We're longing, we're desiring a feeling of love. And sometimes we don't think we're loved, but we are. My beloved is mine, and I am his. Sometimes we think we don't love God enough, so how can we love him? But he loved me. He first loved me, therefore I love him. Once I know how much I'm loved, once I know how special I am, then I can love God properly. You are set apart. You are chosen. You are reserved. You are different. Why? Because you are chosen. It's not a competition. It's not a competition to think, well, why was I chosen and someone not chosen? But it's a compassionate choice, not a competitive choice. God chooses us out of his compassion and his love for us. It's not elitism. 
it's not there are people that are the best and everyone else is, is less than that. No. Many are called, everyone's invited, few are chosen. The biggest temptation is to think and to believe the lie that I'm not chosen. I'm not good enough. So that's the first thing. The first thing he did was he chose. He took bread. He took from the five loaves and two fish. He took those from the bread. So he chose those things. The second thing he did is he blessed. This one is where we focus a lot. And we know a lot about blessing. But the Latin word, the Latin word for blessing is benediction or benedictio. Benedictio, we know means in the Latin that a good word is being said. Bene means good, dicto is saying, good saying. So when I say someone is blessed, I'm saying this person is good. I'm saying this person is a good person. I'm saying a good word about the person. So when I think about blessing, I think about its meaning in being spoken well of, being appreciated. So the blessings of God are important. That's why we say we bless God. We say a good word to God. We don't bless Him. We don't put our hand on Him and give Him a blessing. We say a good word to God because He is good. But God said to us first, you're good. So when you say good things to other people, you're blessing them. In Arabic, we say Ta'idi. Ta'idi means give me a word. Give me a blessing. Say some good things. Not to make me feel puffed up, but to say, I want to hear the blessing, especially from an older person. It's special because they live life. They have experiences. The good word is not just to make me feel good about myself, but it's the truth. Because God created me blessed. It's not prideful. It's not arrogant to understand that you were originally created good and special and blessed. You are loved with an everlasting love. You are loved from the beginning to the end. So God took or chose, God blessed the bread, and then it what? Multiplied. And then what did he have to do? This is the third one. It's very hard. Broke. The brokenness is the hard one. Why? Because we live in a suffering world. We live in a broken world. Brokenness is visible. It's tangible. You can see it. When someone is in pain, you can hear them cry. You can see the anguish on their face. But brokenness is personal. It's intimate. It's unique. There's beauty in the brokenness of a person. Every human person suffers in a unique way. And it's not good to say to someone that's suffering, I know how you feel. It's not good to say that. It's not good to say, Everyone else goes through this. It's not good to say that. Why? Because it's unique to this person. The circumstance and the situation is so unique and so special that only this one person knows that kind of pain. And God only knows that kind of pain. So it's better to say, I'm with you. I'm next to you. I hear you. I care about you. I love you. So brokenness is so special. Psalm 50. A broken and humbled heart, God shall not despise. God 
sat with us when he sees a broken and humble heart. People suffer all the time. And this actually is for our salvation. Christ suffered for us to save us. If he suffered for us to heal us, then we have to think about what is it to break something and to build something. To break and to build is what he's trying to say here. To say that brokenness is the first step is important, but we should understand it as with healing, with recovery. The most painful thing is to be rejected, to be hated, to be ignored, to be despised, to be left alone. And we have to find a friend. We cannot be lonely in our brokenness. We have to break and build with each other. We have to understand that we have all of this going into each other in a way that changes and transforms our life. It's a transformation. He took bread. He blessed it. He multiplied it. He broke it. And now the last one is he gave it. He gave. That's the last step. The last step is so important because what is it if I go through all my life with all three, check, 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 and then now I come to the point where I don't want to give, or I don't think I have anything to give. Well, you're wrong because you're special, you're unique, you're broken in a unique, special way that you can help other people. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Sometimes we apply this money to finances and we just apply it to our donation. No. It is more blessed to give comfort than to receive comfort. Sometimes we give what we don't have. Sometimes we give out of scarcity. I don't have any peace. I don't have any comfort. You are the most good person to give what you don't have. Because when you give what you don't have, you actually receive it in the moment. You receive that gift that you're giving someone in the moment because you want that yourself. To give is a very important thing. To distribute your gifts, to distribute your talents, to share. Sharing is caring. You have to freely give as you freely receive. You're not generous because you gave something. You're generous because God showered you with love. And you understand that. That's why you're so easy to give. Because it was not your words from the beginning. In this way, we are loved. We know we have a friend. We know we have someone who cares about us and they share with us. Friendship is one of the highest forms of love. If you think about it, you think maybe marriage, you think something like that high level of relationship is the highest form of love, but even within marriage, friendship is the highest form of love. The Lord Jesus Christ calls his disciples friends, I call you friends. He says to them, there's no greater love than this than to lay down one's love for his friend. Your friendship is so important. And then he says something so beautiful. I have the power to lay down my life and I have the power to take it up. I want to end with a story from a book called Man's Search for Meaning by a man named Victor Frankl. He was a psychologist, a counselor,
This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.